We speak so often of brokenness in religious life. Let us speak today of wholeness. You are welcome here, all of you, every part of you beautiful just the way you are. Here you do not need to be something more or something less, no holding back, no hiding, no exerting yourself, no trying to do more or be more. You have inherent worth and dignity. You are extraordinary. Each and every one of you different from each other and beautiful in your own way. Breathtaking. Come, let us worship together. The adapted words of Sharon Wiley. Good morning, friends. Welcome to our weekly Zoom worship service. We are glad that you have decided to make us a part of your Sunday morning ritual. My name is Matt Pargeter Villarreal. I am the intern minister here at First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque and your service leader for today. I am joined today in worship by our associate minister, Reverend Bob Lavalley, worship leader Judy Goring, and our tech team of DJ Chris Pohl, and ushers Michaela Renz-Whitmore, Pamela Livingston, and Cheryl Romanick. Our time for all ages this morning was prepared by the Reverend Emily Wright Magoon. If this is your first or second time with us, we are so glad that you are here. If you feel comfortable, please put your name and your location in the chat so that we can say hi and welcome you properly. Before we light our chalice, Judy has a few announcements. Good morning. We have three announcements this morning. First one, visit the tables in the courtyard after the 11 o'clock service today to buy beautiful, unique jewelry, clothing, and photography by talented artists and craftspeople. A portion of all sales will go to local animal welfare rescue groups, including those helping communities hurt by the New Mexico wildfires. What a great pride weekend we had. Thank you to everyone who braved the heat to walk with us in the parade, all the volunteers who created our amazing float, kept our group safe, and worked at the Pride Fest booth both yesterday and Friday. It was great fun and a great way to show the Albuquerque community what First You is all about. Sunday, June 19th, in the courtyard after services, join local installation artist Jennifer Thorson and make a unique pair of prayer gloves to contribute to a collaborative sculpture. A pair of gloves and marking pens will be provided for everyone. You'll have the opportunity to decorate a pair of cotton gloves with marks that express and represent your prayer for a local child who struggles with a seizure disorder. Your pair of gloves will be cast into a sculpture form, then suspended alongside nearly 2,000 other prayer gloves from around the world in an installation piece in the historic St. Catherine's Covent in Santa Fe in July, 2022. For a full description of the prayer glove project and more information about the artists, visit this website, which I believe will be put in the chat. It's www 
dot J E N N I F E R T H O R E S O N, Jennifer Thorson dot com. Thank you. Our chalice lighting this morning is by Deborah Burrell, a flame to light our path. Fire consumes and casts a bright light. May our chalice flame consume our regrets for the past, our fears about the future, and our worries about today. May it light for us a path of joy and peace. Unitarian Universalists, we are people of faith with open minds, loving hearts, and helping hands. Hi, I'm Reverend Emily, and I'm Fox, and we're really glad you're here, because Fox and I were just about to talk about something really important. Fox was asking about shame. I heard about it, but I don't know what it is. And I'm really glad you asked about it, Fox. Hmm? Yeah, because shame is really important to talk about. So shame is a feeling a lot of people have when we feel like we ourselves are bad. Oh, yeah. Or broken. Oh. I know. Or like that we're just not worthy of love. I know. Shame is not a good feeling. No, it sounds like not very comfortable. 
Yeah. Shame is not really a helpful feeling. A lot of feelings are really helpful, even feelings that we think of as bad, like anger or sadness. But shame is really not a very helpful feeling. But the good news is, oh, good news. I love good news. The good news is we can shush shame. Shush shame? Yes. We can be powerful and strong and be people that shush shame. I want to know how to shush shame. Yeah, let's talk about it. In fact, I think I've felt shame before. You have? Yeah. Want to talk about it? I think so. That's great because do you know one of the things that shushes shame? Being able to talk about it. Yeah. Okay, 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 I'm gonna try. Well, I think I felt shame sometimes because I make mistakes. Oh yeah? Yeah, you see, I'm I have a lot of energy and I have this big long swishy tail and sometimes I knock things over or make messes and I can be kind of mischievous and sometimes I make mistakes. Well, it's okay to make mistakes, Fox. Yeah, I make mistakes. Yeah, but sometimes I, I when I hear make mistakes, I, I don't feel better. And I start to hear this, this voice in my head. Oh, what does the voice sound like and feel like? Oh, well, here, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it says, You're a bad one. Oh, oh, Fox, I'm so sorry. That is not a true voice. No, because it also says, You always make mistakes. Oh, Fox. Mm-mm. Yeah. And you know what it says even sometimes? Nobody will love you. Oh my gosh, Fox, that is not true. Let's shush that shame. Yeah, yeah, okay, I, I want to try, I want to try, because it's not nice to hear those things, and to feel those things, and to believe those things. Okay, so let's try. Ready? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so we can shush shame, we can say, we can tell ourselves, in this case, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. And we can say, everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. And we can say, I am still lovable. I am still lovable. I'm always lovable, no matter what. I'm always lovable, no matter what. And we could even say sometimes, like, sometimes mistakes are great and lead us to neat places, and sometimes mischief and good trouble is a good thing. Oh, yeah? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I'm just right. I am just what the world needs. Yeah. Hey, it worked. Yeah, we should shame. Yeah. Sometimes it can feel hard and we might need help, that's why it's really important to talk about it. Yeah.
Yeah, that helped to talk about it. It really did. It's like a, just a weight lifted from me. You know, it might come back. You can talk to it again. And I'm going to give you something to help you remember. I'm going to give you a heart. Oh, wow. This is strong. Yeah, it will never, never, ever break. Because you always be lovable. Yeah, yes. Oh, keep it forever. So I invite all of us to be people who shush shame, who fight those messages that say that we're too shy or too much or too different or not smart or no good, because none of those messages are true. We can talk back to shame and say that we are just right, and that we are lovable and wonderful. So let's shush shame together. And remember, one of the things that shame does not like is being talked about. So it really helps to talk about it. Hmm. Reverend Emily of Wright Magoon. So let's pause the chat for a few moments during our meditation and prayer. We'll turn it on during the joys and concerns so you can share those. Let's talk about meditation. Let's talk specifically about where we put our attention. We know that the, the moment we turn our attention from the present to the past or the future, our attention is divided. We create a conflict between the object of our attention and the moment we're trying to experience right now. And, if we, and often we don't actually see when this is happening. Now we do directly experience that conflict when, when we're trying really hard to focus on something in this present moment. <clears throat> and yet our minds seem to almost be pulling us to the past or to the future. It's like, come on, mind, cooperate. <clears throat> but usually the sense of conflict is a lot more subtle than that. In reality, there is always only this moment now. But of course our minds turn to memories of the past or an imaginary future, or we think about shame. And then we create this split of attention. And as long as our energy is, is being split between two different places, then there will always be this subtle sense of conflict. But the more that we can be aware of this movement of the mind in the sense of struggle, the more that we can actively choose to let go of pursuing the past or the future. Instead, we can actually be present, understanding that it's perfectly possible to plan for the future and reflect on the past while being in the present. The risk is when the mind drifts and we get caught up in those thoughts, then it becomes like we're almost living an alternative life in the past or future that's different from the reality that we're, that we're here now in this moment. So our task this morning is to notice that subtle tension, that conflict in the mind, and then let those, spirit, let those thoughts go. That steers our energy to this moment right now. So in that spirit, let's practice staying together in the present for two minutes of silence.
This community is made of love, of all the delight and care that loves between and among us, even in this virtual space like this one, sharing our joys and concerns, being generous and vulnerable with one another, strengthens that connection, magnifies that joy, and allows us to lighten one another's burdens. If you cannot share uh, in the chat today for any reason, we would love to hear and to know what's in your heart. Please contact us at caring at uuabq.org. joys and concerns we lift up to the great powers of celebration and healing and renewal known by many names let's pray together we give thanks for those who are fighting to maintain democracy in this country and to maintain the rule of law 
May they be accountability for those who would overturn the will of the people. We pray for rain. We pray for relief from wildfires. We pray for the Rio Grande and the Chama and the Gila and so many other rivers. May the hard decisions ahead be made with grace and wisdom. We give thanks for the people who help other people, who care for the ill and advocate for the, the voiceless and tend to those needing assistance and work to make a more just community. May they know that through the work of their hands and their minds, they bring love into the world. In this month of pride, we celebrate the beauty that lies in all the ways there are of being a person. As we remember the victims of the Pulse shooting in Orlando six years ago to the day, may this congregation continue to be a place of welcome and sanctuary for everyone, no matter who they are, no matter who they love. Let's say a prayer of thanks using the words of Reverend Dr. Barbara Holmes. For the crises, the disruption of order, and the plunge into contemplation, we are grateful. For the welcoming darkness and the wounds that bring us into a place of unknowing, we thank God. For the nurture of our many villages of belonging, we are grateful. For healing that comes in unexpected ways, and the imaginative pathways of futurism and cosmic rebirth, Thanks be. And may we all be held in the heart of love. Hello, you, you family. I'm going to sing a song with you called Shine On Me. It's an amazing spiritual that anybody can sing. And in these days when the things that we're dealing with, the feeling separate and all of that, and things seem so hard, this is one of those songs that you just throw your head back, put it in your medicine kit. All you have to do is ask. And here's how it goes. Shine on me, oh shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me, oh shine on me, yes shine on me, let the light from the lighthouse shine on me. Lift me up, only lift me up. Let the light from the lighthouse lift me up, only lift me up. Yes, lift me up. Let the from the lighthouse, lift me up, oh, hold, hold me close.
as holy let the light from the lighthouse hold me close. Yes, hold me close. So close. Let the light from the lighthouse please hold me so shine on me, shine on me, yes, shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine on me, oh, shine on me, yes, shine on me. Let the light from the lighthouse shine All you have to do is just ask. The light is always there. Always. Always. Oh yeah. That was beautiful. Our reading this morning. Personal Spiritual Trainers by Nathan C. Walker. When you come to me, come not with expectation to have some passive clergy person coddle you into complacency. No, come to me as your PST, your personal spiritual trainer. I'm serious. I want to see you move. I want to see you root yourself in a community built on moral complexity and to hold one another to the ethic of intellectual honesty. I want to see you move beyond the religious hangups of your broken past and use your regenerative spirit to seize the day. I want to see you flex your moral muscles. I want to see you exercise spiritual practices to the point of training your mind and body and spirit to collaborate as a single, integrated, and dynamic entity. I want to hear you articulate your beliefs. I want to hear you articulate your faith to the point of having some moral relevance. I want to know that you are engaged in the moral issues of our time. I want to know what makes you afraid. I want to know if you are cultivating your doubts and your questions so that when you do take a stand, we can all trust 
your authenticity. I want to know the intricacies of how you are treating other people. Have you learned new ways to better your relationships? If so, share them. I want to know if you learn to like yourself. Have you learned to love yourself? I want to know if you feel alive. I want to know if you feel like you belong, like you feel like you matter. Because to me, you do. You do. Because you are my personal spiritual trainers. According to a report from Research and Markets magazine, in 2016, Americans spent $9.9 billion towards the U.S. self-help industry. By 2022, Americans are projected to have increased that number to $13 billion. What this self-help industry has supplied them with in return have been books, productivity apps, podcasts, workshops, seminars, and retreats led by self-help gurus, all with the goal of imparting some profound wisdom that will serve as an inspiration to consumers of numerous ways in which they can change their lives for the better. The impetus for the self-help movement comes from the Industrial Revolution and British author Samuel Smiles' 1859 book, Self-Help, which supplied the namesake for the genre. Inspired by the spirit of change that the Industrial Revolution had brought about in Europe, Smiles' famous quote from the book was, Heaven helps those who help themselves. The idea was that once the individual became aware of their own freedom and autonomy, they were able to tap into their own potential, and the possibilities were endless. This undoubtedly had an influence on 1920s French thinker Émile Couet, who wrote the loftily titled book Self-Mastery Through Conscious Autosuggestion. The central tenet of Couet's hypothesis was the idea that positive or negative thoughts bring about positive or negative experiences, the so-called law of attraction that has become the buzzword for so many self-help books and authors. The popularity of self-help materials throughout the 20th century has always been as a direct response to some other widespread societal fear or concern. Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People and Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich were a response to the poverty brought on by the Great Depression and the need and desire for economic success. The newfound interest in religion and spirituality in the 1950s brought forth such books as Norman Vincent Peale's The Power of Positive Thinking and Charlie Shedd's disturbingly titled Pray Your Weight Away, Yes, that is the actual title, and it is still for sale on Amazon. Cold War concerns over nuclear proliferation and nuclear destruction, 
the rise of youth unemployment and lack of faith in conventional social structures all became things that the self-help movement used to manufacture materials to people in a vain attempt to try and help them help themselves. The self-help industry has even embraced its antithesis, anti-self-help. These include authors like Oliver Berkman and Mark Manson, the latter who is quoted as saying, quote, the desire for a more positive experience is itself a negative experience, and paradoxically, the acceptance of one's experience is itself a positive experience. The problem with the majority of self-help materials is that they are a constant attempt to change the conversation without addressing the actual underlying problem. Thinking positive thoughts and thinking that one's life can change for the better is easy if you are privileged enough to be someone who has heard throughout their lives that they are a beautiful and worthwhile individual for whom wonderful things are possible. If, however, you are a person who is considered to be part of one or more marginalized identities, being a person of color, identifying as a member of the LGBTQIA community, having a disability, or being diagnosed on the neurodivergent spectrum, among others, it is likely that you have had to spend a good part of your life, if not most of it, hearing from other people that you are not good enough, that you will not amount to anything worthwhile, that you do not have the same opportunities as others to make something of yourself, that your mere existence is a burden to others. These negative words have become mantras of themselves that have reinforced these ideas into the minds of people and manifested themselves as shame, anxiety, depression, and inadequacy. All of these feelings develop into trauma. And trauma is something that no amount of positive thinking from any self-help book can easily overcome. It is often so deep-seated in the minds of people that any invitation to positivity will get shut down with responses like, yeah, right. Like that's going to do anything. That doesn't apply to me. If we're interested in doing the work of helping people help themselves and find a sense of inner peace, the only way that we're going to do this and to help people achieve this is empowering them to confront the feelings of shame and worthlessness that they have been forced to be subjected to. This is by no means easy work. It means delving into dark emotions with which we ourselves do not want to confront or be or consider. It means facing unfortunate realities and unfortunate stories that are so vastly different from our own. It is not work for the faint of heart, but it is work that we as you use, much as we may not like to admit it, are called to do. 
Our first and third principles of Unitarian Universalism speak to the inherent worth and dignity of every person and acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth within our congregations. What this means is that the first step in overcoming shame is accepting and truly evaluating the individual for who and what they are. Our first principle is an invitation to radical hospitality. It means not placing unwritten or unspoken stipulations on the stranger that they are not fully and completely part of the congregation until they have done a certain thing or have displayed a certain attitude. The text of the first principle is the inherent worth and dignity of every person, period, full stop. We do not and cannot attach our own provisions, such as the inherent worth and dignity of every person provided that, or except for. The first principle is also not a simple suggestion. It is the bedrock of all that we hold sacred as you use. To declare that we recognize the inherent worth and dignity of every person is a direct correlation to the Christian idea of Imago Dei, the image of God that is present within everyone. For those of us from marginalized communities, we've been told throughout our lives, especially in communities of faith, that our very existence goes against everything that makes up who God supposedly is. This is where feelings of shame begin to develop. We are given the unrealistic, insurmountable reality that we must change everything about ourselves to not be estranged from God. It is in these moments that we begin to question whether we will ever be worthy or if it is even worth the emotional work at all. To say that we have inherent worth and dignity is to say that we have always had those aspects of the divine within us, although the rest of the world wants to tell us how unworthy we are. As you use, we are declaring to the rest of the world that we are a sanctuary, a place that is set apart, as churches have historically been regarded, where we recognize the divine in every person. And not only the divine within ourselves, but the invitation and the opportunity to draw closer to a divine that is even bigger than our human selves. Yet, seeing the divine in every person is one thing. While it is a start in the work of beginning to deconstruct shame, there is more that needs to be done. This is where our third principle comes in acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth within our congregations. It is one thing to notice and recognize a person as having inherent worth and dignity, but we are invited in the third principle to go deeper and accept people for who they are. This is often a challenge because it forces us to confront people who think, act, talk, and behave differently than what we are used to. It is more than simply welcoming a variety of diverse cultures and beliefs, as you use often advertise and on which we pride ourselves. 
It is engaging with them and creating an intentional community. While this is what we aspire to do as UUs, the reality is that we do not always want to be embracing of what we are unfamiliar with and with what we do not know. Human beings in general are not fans of dealing with the unknown. Yet the beauty in the intentional community that we create as UUs is that it invites all participants into an exploration of that which we hold as sacred. We get to learn from others as they articulate in their own most personal and intimate ways how they connect to something that is beyond themselves and beyond the entire world. It is in this sharing of spiritual practices and learning from each other that we find more connections to each other than we find that we have differences. Creating a sense of connection is one of the ways that we overcome shame. Shame exists as feeling like one is or has done something to alienate themselves from others. By fostering that sense of interconnectedness, we can bridge those divisions that are created by feelings of shame. But it goes even deeper than that. Intentional community takes not only takes our uniqueness and diversity regarding spiritual practices and makes it beautiful, it takes the darkest of emotions and the most painful experiences that one has gone through, and it turns them into an asset. Although the struggles that we have gone through are often a source that feeds into our shame, our journeys, however painful they have been, have also provided us a source of perspective for how we view the world. With all of those unique perspectives comes a unique voice and a unique orientation to the world that informs how we come to understand things that are bigger than ourselves. It is through the dialogical nature of the intentional community that we form as you use that we create a platform for those voices to be heard and those perspectives to be seen by others many of whom, by virtue of unintentional or unwanted privilege, have not been able to see the other side of the coin. It is the inspiration that I draw from Nathan C. Walker's words in the reading for today. Each person that walks into a UU church, each person that takes the wild and crazy leap into the unknown and decides to join our intentional communities serves as personal spiritual trainers to every one of us. And we get the opportunity to do the same for them. Just like Walker implores in the reading, I know that when I step through the door of any of our sacred spaces, I am coming hungry to hear you articulate your beliefs, articulate your faith to the point of having some moral relevance, to know that you are engaged in the moral issues of our time. I am even hungry to hear what makes you afraid. It may cause me to discover that you and I fear similar things, even though I may be too ashamed to admit it. Most importantly, in Walker's words, I want to know if you feel like you belong and that you feel like you matter. Because you do. 
All the self-help books that have been created in the past 300 years cannot make up for the value of human connection and human validation. The work of letting go of shame and finding inner peace is not one that can be done in a vacuum. It is achieved by diving into and embracing wholeheartedly the joy that is this intentional community that we create as Unitarian Universalists. So today, I am calling for us to begin planning the funeral for shame. I recently came across a meme on Facebook, like the late millennial that I am, that had the following quote by Christian author Anne Voskamp. Shame dies when stories are told in safe places. Let me repeat that. Shame dies when stories are told in safe places. The sacred spaces of our UU worship communities are safe places that we have created for exactly that purpose. Sharing our stories, articulating our perspectives, and allowing for each of our voices to be heard and celebrated. When we step into those spaces, we are entering environments where shame cannot survive. We allow it to die a slow and natural death and no longer have the power over our lives that it once did. Once shame dies, we are given the chance to be reintroduced to ourselves, the beautiful, vivid, and complex creatures that we are and that we always have been. It is once that relationship is formed that we open the door and make room to allow inner peace to come in, and we find the chance to be whole. May it ever continue to be so. Blessed be. Amen. Shalom. Aslamu alaikum. Namaste. Thank you all so much. John Saxon writes, a religious community is like a river formed from the many streams of our lives that meet and merge and flow to the sea. As members and friends of this religious community, we share our time and energy, our creativity, imagination, and vision, our talents, skills, and gifts, and the streams of our individual lives to create a river that is both deep and broad, a river that is made of many streams, sustains life, and refreshes the land through which it flows. But the river of this community also depends on our shared financial support that makes real our shared values and vision. Our change for the future recipient for June, July, and August is Family Promise of Albuquerque. This organization empowers families of Albuquerque and Rio Rancho who are at risk of homelessness or experiencing homelessness. Their clients are supported as they achieve sustainable independence through a community-based response. Volunteers from First Unitarian have supported Family Promise for many years. 
You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. If you prefer not to give online, you can simply mail a check to the church and include change for the future on the memo line. And now let us exercise the enduring power of generosity. What is generously given is received with gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque, and thanks on behalf of Family Promise. 
And I want to share with folks that our last recipient, Change for the Future recipient, which was the Transgender Resource Center, they received $2,760.11 because of your generosity. Thank you so much for that. Thanks for supporting a great organization. They're all great organizations. Anyways, you just heard Matt's last sermon as an intern minister at First Unitarian. And I want to take a moment to honor Matt. When Matt began his 10-month ministerial internship with us just last August, we were about to make the transition from being completely virtual for 18 months, remember that, to reopening our sanctuary in that September for the 11 a.m. service. Doesn't that seem like a long time ago? And yet the time has gone by very quickly, and I really can't believe that it's already Matt's last Sunday. So now he's going to leave the congregation and prepare to see the Ministerial Fellowship Committee. That's the final step in initial preparation and training for most Unitarian Universalist ministers. So once he passes the MFC, as they say, Matt will be able to go and search for a congregation of his own. So Matt, it has been such a joy to see you grow into your ministry. Your time here has been a true blessing to our congregation. And thank you for all that you've shared in love and in service. I also want to thank the intern committee. That's a group of volunteers who have met monthly with Matt this year. They've given him support and feedback in his formation. It's really important to get this kind of information from about how one is going about being a minister. So I want to ask them to, uh, if we can, if, if it's possible to spotlight them. Uh, the members are Nancy Bowen, Jetta Reynolds, Katya Ajdahi, Ron Garcia Herrera, and Joey Gilson. I just want to thank all those for making such a huge difference. And let's, let's add Jetta to the spotlight here. Go ahead, Jetta, share a few words of us. It's been a privilege to represent the congregation on Matt's internship committee this year. What a pleasure to companion Matt through these 10 months of experiment, experiential learning and growth in the ministry. While it has been an unusual year at First Unitarian, I know that the creativity, the cooperation, the commitment and resilience of Matt witnessed across our staff, leadership and congregation will inspire him and serve him throughout his ministry. And we remain encouraging and supportive of his ministry, even after he leaves us for his next chapter. Thank you for everything, Matt. So back in October, Matt preached his first sermon here. It was on or around National Coming Out Day, and he preached a sermon called at the risk of being myself, about the complexity for LGBTQ folks deciding whether to come out and when. And as we know, our senior minister, Angela, was contemplating that question herself. So Matt's framing of the issue opened a door for Angela, and she came out the following month. And so to remind you, Matt, of the positive impact you've made here by being your authentic self, we present you with this parting gift. It's a rainbow stole, and it's got a really nice origin story. It was sewn by volunteers at a church in Idaho, and the proceeds from their stoles provide free housing to single moms who are working on a high school or college degree. So 
Here you go, Matt. Thank you so much. <laughs> and now let us, all of us, bless Matt as we, re we release him from this learning ministry and send him forth with love. I'm going to share a reading adapted from Jill Ann Tilwilliger in Lifting Our Voices. And after each line I say, everyone at home, please join Judy in responding with, we give you our blessings. So I'll say a line and then you'll say, we give you our blessings. For the longing that told you it was time for a change. We give you our blessings. For the courage it took to answer the call. We give you our blessings. For the choices already made and the daily choices that will shape the life ahead of you. We give you our blessings. For the communities that have shown you who you are and the new communities waiting to, you, waiting to discover you in your new ventures. We give you our blessings. For the great ministry mystery of what lies ahead. We give you our blessings. For the ministry we have shared. We give you our blessings. Matt, we give you our blessings and our thanks. Oof. With deep gratitude, I give you my thanks and my blessings in return. Thank you to this congregation for what has been a wild ride of 10 months. It has been more transformative than you will ever know. And let us join together in our Pacham greeting right now and have a moment of connection with each other. So if you can, I invite you to navigate your screens to gallery view, look at all of the wonderful, smiling, beautiful, vivid, complex individuals staring back at you. Place one hand on your heart, extend the other one out, making eye contact as is comfortable. If you would like to stay on and have a conversation with a few of your fellow sibling congregants, and we always love it if you would, please stay on after the end credits and you will be placed into one of our breakout rooms. To get the conversation started, here is a discussion question for you to consider. What are ways that we can find to say goodbye to shame in our own lives? What are ways that we can find to say goodbye to shame in our lives? I will ceremonially extinguish our chalice, which has gone out as I have been preaching, but may we release ourselves from shame and have the confidence to step forward and tell our stories and may our community be ever enriched and be made stronger for it. May it ever continue to be so. Amen and blessed be. Our service has ended, but my friends, your service has just begun. Go in peace, go in joy, and go in love.